Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, you know what's this Saturday? It's the world's largest cocktail party. That's right. Florida, Georgia, and Jacksonville. A game that's going to have a lot of implications in the Southeastern Conference, and uh, perhaps one of these teams will be playing Alabama for the championship. So we got that. College game day will be there. Also, Florida State is hosting Clemson. And is this the week that USF finally gets some respect by beating Houston, or do they get burned after playing with fire all year? We've got college football talk with Matt Baker, our college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, in just a minute. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick, before we get started on this podcast. Hey, if you're like me, you're sick and tired of paying these insane electric bills. I mean, my last electric bill was over $300, and I'm not lying. That's that's a tremendous amount of money. But if you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bill, please listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available and does not use high voltage like other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment, and labor, and they use only their employees, no subcontractors ever. So you know you're going to get the best installation. And May Electric Solar has a full showroom, and you can see their products. They are open weekdays. So stop the insanity of out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now 90 to 95%. That's right. Call May Electric Solar at this number, 727-819-2862. Uh, if you call right now, you can receive, you can receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. So it's Florida, Georgia in Jacksonville, and, of course, College Game Day is there. SEC Nation is there. But more importantly, Matt Baker will be there at the Tampa Bay Times, and he joins us now. Matt, I've done this game a couple times. It was 150 years ago, but I don't know that it's changed all that much. Um this is truly when these two teams are good, and I would I would classify Georgia as very good, and maybe Florida as good and trending up. Um, there is there is not many better rivalry games uh, for the for the just the venue and the atmosphere uh, in college football. No, I'm with you. You know, I, I used to work in Oklahoma. I, I never got to cover Red River, unfortunately, but that's kind of the one that that comes to mind because yeah. a lot of times with these neutral site games, the atmosphere is kind of weird or, or, or sterile and and just kind of bullish, but that Florida, Georgia is obviously not that way. It's it's a great atmosphere. There will be uh, one or two cocktails uh, consumed, <laughs> I think, in in the tailgating area, and I think it's going to start early uh, this year with um, SEC Nation, the SEC Network's traveling show in town, and also College Game Day. There, uh, ESPN's doing the double duty there because this is the biggest Florida Georgia game in a decade. Yeah, it really is, and it's a CBS uh, National Game of the Week as well. Um, Florida's coming off a bye week, and uh, if recent history, you know, uh, suggests that uh, their head coach does very well with that, um, you wrote a, a, a story in the Tampa <clears throat> Bay Times about this rivalry, and and I think this this will probably hold true in this game because both these teams like to run the football. Georgia obviously is exceptional at running the football, but Florida's gotten very very good at it this year as well. 
And it seems that the team that wins on the ground is going to win the game, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the way it's been in this series for 12 years in a row, which, again, when you think about it, shouldn't be much of a surprise. George has obviously got a history of running the ball. You know, you go back to Herschel Walker, but more recently, Nick Chubb and Sony Michel last year might have been the best running back duo in the history of college football. <clears throat> um, and, and Florida, when you think about it, the, the way they've been in the post-Tebow era, they've had to run the ball to win because their quarterbacks haven't been able to throw worth a lick. So um, that, that's going to be the big key, um, I, I think, on Saturday. And I think that's something that favors Georgia. I mean, Georgia's offensive line, generally speaking, has been better than Florida's. You know, uh, Georgia's last game against LSU was the exception rather than the rule. Georgia's got a little bit, uh, again, if you look at the numbers, Georgia has a little bit better rushing attack. Um, Elijah Holyfield, second in the conference, averaging seven and a half yards per carry. Um, DeAndre Swift is kind of the more uh, lightning to to Holyfield's thunder. And, and a guy that's played a little bit uh, is James Cook, uh, a freshman. Um, he's uh, Dalvin Cook's little brother out of Miami Central, was every bit as electric as Dalvin was. He was a Florida State commit at, at one point, so I'm curious to see whether he'll get in the game. And and two, uh, the other part on, on the run game is uh, coming in with, with Georgia's quarterbacks. I mean, we can talk more about this in a second, but... Jake Fromm has been the guy, one of the more efficient players in the country, struggled against LSU. I'm curious whether the Bulldogs are going to make a quarterback change or a quarterback shift or what exactly, potentially using Justin Fields more, and, and Fields is a very good uh, runner. So that, I think that could be a very interesting dynamic in this game as well. Well, this might uh, bring up the quarterbacks as well, but is there anything that you think <clears throat> LSU – uh, which Florida beat, of course, exposed in their victory over Georgia that, that, that Florida might be able to exploit. Because I thought I thought Fromm was not very good in that game, and I've seen – and he's played in a lot of big games as a young quarterback, and, and I thought he looked a little rattled in that one. He did, and it's weird because I, I thought last year he was the whole game manager kind of thing, and then I saw him play Alabama for the national championship game. He was good, like – it wasn't a situation yeah. where Georgia was content to just run the ball or anything like that. No, they were taking chances with him early in that game, and, and he was making some gutsy throws and making them well. So I, I don't know whether last or you know I guess two weeks ago the last game was him getting rattled was just kind of a little bit of a blip. But I mean, dudes, was it eighteen and three as a starter again until the last game was top five in the country in passer rating. He's got a, a lower ceiling than Justin Fields does. Justin Fields, I mean, talk, talk to the, the recruiting experts who covered him. Him and Trevor Lawrence, the guy at Clemson, those are two of the best quarterback prospects to come out in the last 10 years, maybe longer than that. They just happen to be in the mm. same year. Um, so Fields, again, is an electric runner. He's very, very sharp. He's got an arm. He can do just about everything. So I think if you were going – and again, he's played in stretches this year. They've used him kind of in packages and obviously in mop-up duty. If they were Georgia wanted to make a change and do something different, either as a change of pace or as a long-term thing, coming out of the bye week would be the time to do it. That's your self-scouting time, figure out what we're doing well, what we're doing not so well. And if you're going to make a change, that's when you do it. So I'm very curious to see how that all plays out Saturday in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost a certainty that both quarterbacks will, would play, or at least that Fields would play as, as part of their offense now, right? You'd think so. He didn't play against LSU. Again, I don't know if it's a situation where they thought, you know what, it's not worth it, or uh, LSU's monster defenders are going to break this kid. Or, I mean, it could mm. be a situation, too, where maybe he's not as ready. Um, yeah. 
That, it, that's certainly a possibility. We're not in the meeting rooms and on the practice field. Everybody knows what his talent level is. But if he's not ready yet, there is absolutely a risk to doing too much, you know, putting too much on a young quarterback too soon. You can absolutely break him. And I think, you know, I think it was Brantley with the Gators that there's an argument that that's kind of what happened with him. Um, the, the flip side of that is I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the, the other big game in the state or one of them this week is Florida State Clemson. I'm going back a couple years, um, the game actually when James was suspended, 2014, Florida State's undefeated defending national champs. Clemson has a chance to win this game. They, they made an interesting decision. They started Cole Stout at quarterback, as they had. About midway through the game, they bench him and bring in this freshman that I didn't know a whole lot about. I hadn't studied Clemson as closely as I should have. And Deshaun Watson comes in and almost wins the game. And I'm thinking <laughs> in the press box, Again, I don't know the ins and outs of Clemson, but th- that guy over there is pretty darn good. Why wasn't he playing <laughs> yeah. the whole time? So, and then obviously we know what happened with with Deshaun Watson after that, including the uh, the heroics at Ray J. So, uh, there there's cases to be made, pros and cons, both in terms of getting a guy out there too soon versus if he's your best guy, he needs to play. And whatever Georgia decides to do and Kirby Smart wants to do, it's going to make a huge impact on whether the the Bulldogs are going to beat the Gators and whether they're going to be, uh, you know, the team to beat in the SEC East going forward. What's the trust uh, level at this point, um, do you think, in Felipe <clears throat> Franks? I mean, he seems to have uh, started to play more efficiently, and uh, and yet the Gators have some young quarterbacks over there they could put in the game as well. Uh, that's not happening. I, or I shouldn't <laughs> say that. That, that I, would be, I would be stunned. Um Mullen said it was either after week one or week two. I can't remember. I think it was after the Kentucky loss. Like he said, Felipe Franks has a long leash. He's our guy. Period. Yeah. End of story. Um, Kyle Trask played. You know, he looked good. I thought in the fall and, and played well at times in the spring as well. I thought he might have been a better fit for what Mullen wants to do. But the next game he starts, or the next meaningful snaps he takes at Florida, will be the first. And remember, this is a guy. Um, he's from Manville, Texas, uh, and he was a high school backup. Why was he the high school backup? Because uh, Manville High School had a guy named Derek King who was electric and running all over the place. We will be mm. seeing him against USF on Saturday because he's a starter at Houston and doing very well there. So that's the mm. one option Florida could have. The other one they have is Emory Jones, the true freshman early enrollee. From what I have, you know, from what I saw in fall camp and in, and in the spring, he was not anywhere close to ready. Um, the, the caveat I give to that is the quarterbacks weren't really live a whole lot. So, and his biggest strength is his runner. So I don't know exactly how elusive he is in the open field or anything like that. Um, and that's kind of his strength. So I've seen him muted, but what I saw is, is he wasn't ready. And, uh, I, I, I can't, it, it would be hard for me to envision a scenario where, where Franks isn't playing the whole game barring injury. Sure. True or false, if the Florida Gators pull off this upset over Georgia, they play Alabama in the SEC championship game, and Dan Mullen gets some coach of the year consideration. True. I mean, Kentucky, one of the other games this weekend, Kentucky's playing Missouri. Missouri's favored, which I don't quite get. Yeah, it's at Mizzou. Mizzou's just, uh, you know, kicked the crap out of Memphis. Um, Mizzou's pretty decent, but I still think Kentucky's good. So I say that to say Kentucky, maybe I'm wrong, maybe Kentucky's shaky. Uh, Georgia plays Kentucky, I believe it is, next week. 
Um, and, and obviously Florida needs Kentucky to lose to, to win the East if they were to beat uh, Georgia on Saturday. So sure. Florida needs a little bit of help, but I think they mm-hmm. can get it. Um, and with you know Missouri and South Carolina left in the SEC for, for Florida, yeah, I, if they win, I think they uh, win the East. And if Mullen um, is able to, you know, looking at things right now, they beat Georgia 11 and one is absolutely on the table. And considering the, the four win season that Florida had, considering the fact that I didn't think they had enough talent to be where they are now, he would absolutely be deserving of some, uh, certainly SEC coach of the year consideration, absolutely. maybe on a, on a higher level than that too. He's done a great job. He seems very comfortable there. And I, I think that, uh, it was, a, it was a really, really good hire. So I don't know if you're good at picking these games or not, but do you think Georgia bounces back from their loss to LSU, or uh, does Florida continue uh, to uh, surprise people? No, I'm not good at picking these games. Um, but Because but <laughs> I'm horrible. I, I've been wrong almost every week for the Bucks, except the last week. But I, I've been, in, in our little pick em thing we do online, I've been pretty good straight up against the spread. I've been, I've been atrocious. Yeah, um, well, we won't, we won't care about gamblers. Yeah, there's a reason I'm, I don't I don't gamble. Um, yeah. I think Georgia wins. You know, my, my gut initially told me Florida, um, but I can't. What the image I can't get out of my head. Last year with this game was so unbelievably weird because of all the Jim McElwain stuff going on, and um, mm. everybody knew he was he was headed out. It was just a matter of when, and like nobody's paying attention to the game because the story is really all the side conversations going on in the press box. What are you hearing? When's it happening? Um, but the, the couple minutes I actually did get to watch that game, Georgia was just so much better everywhere. Offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, secondary, quarterback, running, but everywhere. They had so much more talent. Now, the Bulldogs have obviously lost a lot of uh, those players since last year. Again, uh, Michelle and Chubb are, are in the league. Uh, Roquan Smith, their do-it-all linebacker, was, was a high draft pick and so on. But Georgia still has recruited a higher level than Florida has in the, in the last few years, especially in this last class. So I say that to say they have more dudes. And usually in a team where in a game where I think both teams are going to be well coached, both teams coming off of a bye, the team with the better dudes is going to win. So I, mm. I think Georgia, um, again, for the gamblers, I think the, the spread I, last I saw was like seven Georgia by seven and a half. Uh, I'll, I'd pick the Gators to cover that because it's a rival game. You kind of throw it all out. But mm. um, I, I think Georgia wins. Should be a great one. Of course, you'll be there. Uh, a, a game that's uh, not too far down the road in Tallahassee, which uh, in most years this would be a marquee game as well. Florida State uh, is hosting Clemson. Clemson now uh, number two, I guess, in both polls, and they're coming off. And this was surprising to me. I mean, they blasted North Carolina State, which had been previously yeah. undefeated. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a situation of maybe NC State. I mean, NC State didn't play a particularly tough schedule. Um, unfortunately, the, the Wolfpack's best game was going to be West Virginia, and that got hurricaned out. So we didn't really know how good NC State was. We knew that they had a good quarterback in Ryan Finley, um, <clears throat> some good uh, playmakers on the outside. But um, I, I think Clemson's just rolling right now. And I, mm-hmm. I, think it's that, I think it's that simple that Clemson, uh, they kind of weren't entirely sure who they were early in the season, a little bit of figuring out with the quarterback situation between Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. But now, you know, after they, they crushed Wake by 60 points and then blew out uh, NC State, we know who they are. And they are the team that I started, you know, I, I predicted to uh, win it all at the start of the season. How are they different with Trevor Lawrence? And, and, and I guess, you know, 
at least they, they know who their quarterback is. You don't have this back and forth, which sometimes settles football teams, too. Yeah, who they are is a team that can attack downfield more. I mean, Kelly Bryant was a capable runner. He wasn't Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's don't grow on trees. That guy was 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 special. Um, and, and Kelly Bryant was was serviceable. I mean, you don't win the ACC and go to the playoff and not be serviceable at, at quarterback. But he couldn't. He didn't have the downfield arm. They had explosive plays downfield that were missed. And Trevor Lawrence has a cannon. He has an absolute golden arm. And with Higgins and some of the guys they have um, at, at receiver, he's been able to uh, to take advantage of that. And let's not uh, forget too, Travis Etienne, their uh, their running back, is an explosive player at times. Who I think, but when it's all said and done, he might find himself in the Heisman conversation at the end of the year. So you know, Lawrence mm. has added the downfield passing attack that's opened up, I think, a little bit more for for Travis Etienne uh, in the run game. What did we learn, uh, and you were there at the uh, Florida State-Wake Forest game, um, what did we learn about the Seminoles in that one? I mean, DeAndre Francois had a big day, 353 yards passing. Cam Akers came to play with uh, a lot of run, uh, <clears throat> runs and catches. What did, what did the Florida State Seminoles iron out against Wake Forest? Their run game showed a couple flashes of success. Um, I, I think their offensive line played better. Some of that is Wake Forest isn't very good. Um, but the, the big thing to me, it, and it, there's pros and cons to this, but it is the run game. Look, w- Willie Taggart has had 3,000-yard rushers over the last couple of years. The only guy who's had that, three different 1,000-yard rushers over the last two years. And the only one uh, in the country who's had that is Ken Niamatololo from Navy. So his players know how to run the ball. That's what he does well. And Florida State has one of the most talented running back cores in the country. I mean, Cam Akers was a superstar recruit in Mississippi. Um, Jacquez Patrick was a five-star. Amir Rasul was a four-star. Um, the, the, the freshman, was, uh, Grant, is a four-star. So they've got talent. So the fact that they're on pace to have their worst season in yards per carry since 1969. Goodness. When, uh, when you were graduating college, I think. It's, <laughs> oh, it's thanks stunning. for that. I know. It's, it's stunning <laughs> that they've been so bad. Now, there, there were some, some flashes of success for FSU running the ball. Um, you know, Akers ripped off a 58-yarder. Where he showed a little bit of patience that I think had been lacking. You know, when you're not playing well and you're struggling, there's a, a tendency for your big-time players to try and make every play into a big-time play. And that's good sometimes, but sometimes it means that you don't show the patience. And, and on that play in particular, he waited just a split second in the backfield, and that split second instead of ha- attacking the hole immediately was the difference between getting stuffed and the difference between his center, Alec Eberly opening up that hole that he needed to run for 58 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, FSU has insisted their run game is close to getting where it needs to be. And maybe Saturday was a sign that they might be getting there. Uh, Again, I don't expect it to break through against Clemson. Their front four is unbelievable. I think they're third in the country in uh, rushing defense in terms of yards per carry. So I don't think it's going to happen this week. But maybe they can show some signs of life going forward to the rest of the year and somehow – you know, scrap together a bowl game. You know, they really haven't beaten anybody of substance, but has Willie Taggart managed to keep the Wolves at bay finally, you think? Um, there was just such, such animate, you know, in the beginning it was, uh, it was, you know, it was, look, I don't think every Florida State fan wasn't in, wasn't patient, but I mean, you know, it didn't start out well. 
No, it absolutely did not start out well. When you, when you, you know, everybody thinks you're the savior and you're going to um, bring this new cutting edge offense and do things differently, and you lose your opener on prime time by three touchdowns against the Virginia Tech team we know now is not that great. No, that that is not a good way to start. Um, I think the yeah the Wolves have quieted down a little bit um, mm-hmm. because they were competitive against Miami and you know they did have the win at Louisville and in Wake, but. Again, Louisville is, stinks, and Wake is not very good at all either. Um, so, again, no, nobody's uh, nobody rationally is saying hot seat or anything like that. But sure, you, again, sure. look at look at what they've got coming up: uh, Clemson, number two in the country, at North Carolina State. Again, NC State is not a dominant team, but they're at least in the realm of pretty good. And mm-hmm. uh, the Knolls have struggled in Raleigh for the last I don't know how many years. Uh, some quarterback named Mike Glennon beat him in 2012, I believe it was. Um, oh, yeah. At Notre Dame, Boston College, which at that point should have A.J. Dillon healthy. That's not a gimme at home. And then Florida. Mm. That's a tough slate. I still don't see a bowl on that schedule. No, so for, I don't either. You know, right now where the Knolls are, they're coming off of a nice win. They're feeling better about themselves and the fan base is. But, you know, end of November, if they're looking there at 5-7, and seven, uh, that that would, considering where they started the year in the top twenty, I think that's a reasonable or realistic scenario for what they have. That's uh, that's not good. That's not good at all, Rick. No, no, it's not. I I think you're right. I think they miss a bowl game this year, and that would be uh, historic in its ineptitude, I guess, for Florida State. Now, they did surprise me, and and I think maybe it said a lot about Miami when they went down there and actually probably should have won that game with a what twenty point lead. Yep. Um, any chance that they that they that they make this a game for some period of time against Clemson? Yeah, there, there's absolutely the chance that they make it a game for some period of time because Florida State has dudes. I mean, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They were, yeah. I think uh, they, Jimbo left him with like four straight top six classes or something like that. And, and Willie salvaged a top 12 recruiting class this past year. Um, Francois was a blue chip quarterback. We talked about how great the running back core is. Uh, they've got blue chip receivers. And, and Brian Burns has played himself, I think, not in not just into the first round at defensive end, maybe even a, a top 10, top 15 pick. At, at, and he has just been unbelievably good. So they have players. They absolutely, I think, can make it a game early. But I, I don't know... Clemson has been at another level, um, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, Clemson's got, I think, more stable quarterback play. I think they've got a better coaching staff. So I don't think Florida State will win, but can they make it close for a half and scare Clemson a little bit? Yeah, I think so. That uh, should be interesting. And uh, I know this, Dabo Sweeney says, I just know they're Florida State. So he's going to have a tough time convincing his Clemson uh, team that uh, there's a pretty good brand over there even though uh, look past maybe their record and, and, and what they've done this year. Okay, this is the, uh, this is the week of truth for the USF Bulls. Because they are going to play a Houston team that uh, gave them their first loss last year, 
and has a chance to give them their first loss this year. And, boy, when you look at what South Florida has done with back-to-back one-possession wins over one-win teams, um, here come the Houston Cougars. Is there any – I mean – I mean, here's where I start with USF is that they, they play these games and, and they should be they should be rolling over these teams and they're barely beating them. I don't think their defense is good. But more more than that, what I've seen lately, Matt, of them is that Blake Barnett is not is not <laughs> trending up. He's kind of trending down. No. Three touchdown passes and four interceptions in his last three games. Correct. Um, yeah, USF has been playing with fire. And, and they were to some degree last year. But if you do yeah. that long enough, eventually you're going to get burned. I mean, even 2014 Florida State, which was the the the, the biggest, I guess, pyromaniac uh, team I've covered <laughs> in, in terms of that. I'm totally going to get fired for this. Um, but <laughs> it, they they were they they there were so many games I covered with Florida State. I had a in, in 2014 I had a great. Florida State loses at Miami story written. It was done. And then <laughs> and then Jalen Ramsey goes and has the best game by a defensive player I've ever seen. And they, they ended up pulling it out and Dalvin Dalvin's at the end. Um, we were talking about USF. Yeah. Um, USF has been playing with fire and eventually when you play a good team, that's going to catch up. I think you're right. Blake Barnett hasn't been playing at, at the high enough level. Um, I don't know if uh, it's been some of the injuries have, you know, in, in the backfield and that receiver have been catching up and, and hurting his abilities uh, a little bit or, or what um, Houston's defense isn't great. I mean, just kind of look, looking at some of the scores. I mean, they gave up 36 to Navy last week. Navy's not very good, um, but Houston has Ed Oliver. Um, he, he's been battling. I think it was a hamstring issue in injury. Um, I hope he is healthy. And I say that not because I, I don't want the bulls to win. I don't care. And uh, U.S. fans hate me for that, but whatever. I, I want to see good football players play football. And Ed Oliver is unbelievable. Um, yeah, he's an All-American, yeah. He's an All-American. He's going to be a, a high-round draft pick. I mean, just some of the, the routine plays. I, mean, I remember watching him on the Thursday or Friday night against Tulsa a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was one play he was getting held, and then the running back did whatever. And he, again, after getting held, gets out of it and then goes and tackles a guy five, ten yards downfield. It's just routine plays like that, where if you're not watching closely to him getting double-teamed and blowing it up and pushing everybody back, you'd miss it. Um, but he is an unbelievable player, and I, I certainly think he, you know him by himself will be enough to um, uh, significantly alter USF's offense. I don't know if Cronkite's going to be able to rip off some of those big runs with the Bulls either having to double or triple-team this guy, assuming he plays. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if how much pressure they're going to be able to get on Barnett, who, like you said, hasn't been quite the same the last couple of games. Well, the Bulls are doing it on the ground. They're averaging 236 yards a game uh, on the ground. And, and uh, as far as Oliver goes, I guess the the official listing of him is questionable with uh, what they're saying is a right knee bruise. He took a chop block, I guess, in the last game, and that that has him. Uh, uh, but you know, look, great players usually find a way to get ready to play on Saturday, and, and uh, you're right. I, it, he's going to be a great NFL player, and it'll be fun to see if USF can uh, somehow contain them. Um, look, I, if let me ask you this question. This is a hypothetical totally because I know, I know sure. you get hammered by USF fans that think they should be ranked in the top ten because they're undefeated. But <clears throat> sure. if USF were to beat Houston, would that win be convincing enough, depending on, of course, what happens around them, to maybe get them into your top 25 poll? Uh, I'm going to give you the bad answer first. 
um, or the lame <laughs> answer first is I don't, I don't know. know. It I depends. Don't know, yeah. Rankings, yeah, how they do rankings, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, rankings don't occur in a vacuum. You know, for somebody <laughs> to move into them, that means somebody has to move out. To move so out. if your team's yeah. 25 through 18, I'll win by 100 points. Da 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 da. Now, the 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 better answer is almost certainly. Again, there are scenarios that I couldn't even come up with where maybe right. not. But um, my hesitation on USF has been they haven't done enough against a really bad schedule. I mean, the the, the mm-hmm. fact is that you know they beat UConn by eight. UConn's closest game to that point had been a 30-point loss. That's unbelievable, yeah. That gives me a lot of pause. Um, and, and, you know, we've gone through some of these other ones, too. But if they beat a Houston team that I think is at least in the realm of pretty good and do it on the road, I absolutely think they would be deserving uh, of, well, I, I should, I would think they would be deserving of being ranked. Again, I can't answer in absolutes. Only a Sith deals in absolutes, as Obi-Wan Kenobi once said. But I would certainly think they'd be in the discussion. I think here's a theory that I have that Charlie Strong is actually doing a really, really good job this year of coaching because, you know, Quentin Flowers and a lot of those veteran players that have moved on got USF fans thinking that this is easy, that you can win this many games every year. And the fact of the matter is, it's not easy. And they have a lot of new players, uh, in, including a new quarterback who isn't, who's an experienced guy. But I think there's an assumption, you know, when you go out and you keep winning these games and, and, and you know, even though they do it in dramatic fashion against teams they should hammer, um, he may he may actually be coaching them up pretty good and we just don't know it because we're, you know, I think USF fans are a little spoiled by the, pre, by the Quentin Flower seasons. I, I think there's something to that. I mean, teams very rarely, this is really obvious, teams very rarely lose the best player in school history and stay the same or get better. I mean, right. look at what's look at what's going on at Louisville for goodness sakes. I mean, oh yeah. But Bobby Petrino is having his worst offensive season maybe in his career. And even if even with, when everything else has been bad with Petrino, he has been able to coach offense. And, and this year he's not. Well, yeah, you lose Lamar Jackson, who was an unbelievable Heisman Trophy winner, who could make you know cover up a bunch of your mistakes. You're probably not going to be as good. And so for USF to be in this discussion um, after losing Quentin Flowers, I mean, and with a grad transfer quarterback who didn't enroll, you know, it's not like he, he came in January or anything. Um, so for them to uh, to be where they are, yeah, Charlie absolutely deserves some credit. Matt, the other thing about USF is I don't think their defense has been good all year. I mean, they're giving up to these teams almost 26 uh, what uh, points per game or something like that. That's just not going to get it done um, probably against a team like Houston, right? No, I don't think so. Um, you think about Houston over the years, they, they have good offense. Um, you know, Major Applewhite, the coach, as, is a sharp offensive mind. He's, you know, the fans don't love him right now, but um, again, he, he's pretty well regarded in the coaching community. And, and we talked about him a minute ago. Uh, Derek King um, was high school teammates with Gators quarterback uh, Kyle Trask at Manville. He is an electric player. He can beat you with his arms, with his legs. Um, so they have some talent there at, at Houston um, to 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 put up points. And you know, I, I think they're absolutely going to be a huge test for USF. And the Bulls are going to have to find ways to slow them down in order to have a, sh- a chance at winning on the road. I wanted to ask you nationally about a couple games from last week that we uh, we talked about, but um, um, now we know the outcomes. First of all. Ohio State's loss at Purdue, man, I watched that game with a Purdue graduate, and they were out of their minds. 
boiler uh, up fun watch boiler up hammer down and the thing is is that it didn't feel like a fluke to me um i think ohio state and their quarterback was was did not have a good game to say the very least and yet um you know we know that this seems like ohio state and michigan might be sort of eyeballing each other for a collision course to see you know who's gonna who's gonna go on and and, and play in the big 10 championship what did you what did you make of that that win by Purdue or the loss by Ohio State depending on your perspective? Well, one uh, uh, for the Purdue side, my mom's a boiler, so I'm sure she was quite happy up in oh, Indiana. Yeah. Um, the, the first thing I make is Purdue is I mean we knew this, but Purdue was on the right track. I mean Jeff Brom is very well regarded in the coaching community. They they struggled a lot more than I thought they would at the beginning of the year. Um, but I think they've made some right changes and switching quarterbacks and, and kind of being a lot more aggressive, uh, not as conservative, and that's paid off. Um, Brom's going to – I think Purdue fans should enjoy him while they have him because they're not going to have him much longer. <laughs> that's right. Uh, d- depending on what happens with Petrino at Louisville, um, you know, Brom's a Louisville guy, played at yeah. Louisville. That's the job I think he's going to get at some point. I don't know if it's in December or in the next December or what. Um, mm-hmm. On the Ohio State side, they've got issues. We, we knew they had some issues. I mean, they're extremely talented. You know, Other than Bama, I don't know that there's a more talented team in the country. But they've got issues. They can't tackle particularly well. They give up too many big plays. Yeah. I hate to even say it. I don't know how much longer Urban Meyer is going to be there. It's it's not working. Um, you know, they're, they're, I mean, it's silly to say considering all he does is you know win the Big Ten and, and go to the playoff and everything. But you can tell it's really wearing on him. Um, yeah, and, and when they they're... when they lose, they don't lose by by six on a fluke play. They get drubbed. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't I don't know how much longer he wants to take it or how much longer he's going to take it. Obviously, with Zach Smith stuff in the off season, um, there was an issue a couple weeks ago. I think it was again in the Indiana game where he ran into somebody. It, again, I hate to even to say it, but I just wonder how much longer he's going to be able to do it and how much longer he's going to want to do it. And that's well, the, the, he, the big he story looks with like Ohio he State did, going forward. He looks like he did. Like, he looks agonized and, and over-emotional. Um, I, I don't know, like, physically how all of this has affected him, but we know he stepped away at the yep. University of Florida for, for the, the, the whole sort of the pressure uh, if you will, and I don't think he's ever been under more scrutiny or more pressure than he is right now, um, through all the you know suspension and everything that he went through. So, I'm with you. He looks like a guy that's uh, looking for a soft pillow to fall on. But um, you know that's that that was a tough loss. And then, and then Jim Harbaugh, you know, he he finally beat one of the. You can check off one of the marks. He managed to uh, beat Michigan State, and it looks like Michigan's kind of finding their identity a little bit right now. Yeah, I, I think the Wolverines are, are one of the best teams in the country. They've been playing at a pretty high level here the last few weeks since the Notre Dame game. And, and frankly, that that's great for the Fighting Irish. I mean, Notre Dame is, is undefeated. Their schedule hasn't been the best. They don't have a lot of – I mean, they schedule teams that you would think would be marquee opponents, but they haven't been this year. You know, like looking at USC at the end of the year, uh, USC's not great. Looking at Florida State in a couple weeks, Florida State's not great. So the best thing for the Irish is for Michigan to be really good to make that win in, in week one better. And, and Michigan has been playing really well. I think they're the favorite certainly right now in the Big Ten and absolutely in the playoff picture. Any games this week that uh, catch your eye nationally, uh, Matt? 
Uh, I mean, we we touched we touched on uh, on on the the boilers. Um, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if there's any sort of um, let down at all for them against Michigan State. Purdue might be the team to beat in the Big Ten West, which is a sentence that I don't know has ever been said before. But here we are. Um, and any chance you ha- you have to see Rondale Moore, that their electric freshman, you should absolutely take that. He is fun to watch. Um, Jimbo uh, and his Aggies are playing in Starkville, which is kind of an interesting one. I mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Kentucky and Missouri earlier. We'll find out you know, another test for Kentucky, see if they can shore up things that have been lacking uh, here recently, again, in the, the Vanderbilt game. Um, two other quickies. Notre Dame has Navy in primetime in San Diego. Uh, Navy hasn't been great. They're in for a down year, but Ken Niamatololo knows what he's doing out there. I think he could, might be able to give Notre Dame a test in a rivalry game. Um, Navy always beats you up, too, so I think that's going to be big for the Irish to come away unscathed, um, heading actually into, to play my alma mater next week. There's kind of the body blow theory is what Bruce Feldman calls it when you play Navy. You hurt that week, but you hurt the next week, too. Um, mm-hmm. And the last one, the game I know everybody is really paying attention to, uh, Thursday night, Appalachian State at Georgia Southern. App State is ranked for the first time ever. I've had him in my ballot the last couple weeks because they've been obliterating everybody. Um, their only loss was a close one to Penn State in week one that, frankly, they should have won. Um, and, and Georgia Southern, uh, the pride, or the uh, alma mater of uh, Nitro Cosone, Matt Breida, now doing great things with the 49ers. Um, they've been a very good team, too. Um, so that's kind of a, a huge conference game for the Mountaineers and, and could have, you know, big, uh, uh, big implications in terms of which group of five team gets the spot in the New Year's Six Bowl because Appalachian State absolutely deserves to be in the mix. Well, you can talk about App State. I think the game that uh, gave them all the confidence in the world was that win in Jonesboro when they took absolutely. down the Arkansas State Red Wolves. That's when I thought they were for real. So, <laughs> just so absolutely, you know. Rick. The, the fighting strats. And, and and because we want to be accurate on Sports Day Tampa Bay, I did not graduate college in 1969. But you might want to look up Florida Georgia Run, Lindsay Run, to give you kind of an idea when I was in college, ah. at least back in the day. I don't even know if that's true, though. I seem to remember that game, but maybe it was even before I was in college. I don't know. We'll have to be accurate. It was the 80s, folks, okay? Um, anyway. <laughs> So uh, enjoy your trip. Now, are you are you driving? Uh, tell me you're not driving home after that game. Are you? Is that is that even oh, yeah. a possibility? Oh, of oh, course. My. Come on, man. Well, you're going the, the day are... before at least, right? No, of course not. Down and back. Hotels are expensive. That's like a twenty-two uh, and a half hour day. Yeah, it's college football season. It's what I do. <laughs> now, oh my God. here here's here's the thing, though, Rick. Uh, Martin Finley and I are scheduled to go. We're, we're probably in a carpool. I think we're going to take his car because the AC is still busted on, on my Civic. We'll definitely we do, take his. We have yeah. a reservation. Oh, not yet, but we're going to. We're going to have a reservation at the Huddle House in, what is it, Stark or Waldo or, or whatever it is. Um, Halfway Martin home. And, okay. Uh, well, on, 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 for, for, for brunch. Um, Martin, oh, for brunch? Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, this is, this is extremely important. Um, Martin had our, our columnist had never been to a huddle house before last year. So we, we drive up for the game again. It's the McElwain game. Nobody's paying attention to it. And we're hungry. We stop at the, at the huddle house. I think he expected it to be like a Denny's or a Shoney's rather than like a, a yeah. waffle house ish. 
he was so unbelievably disappointed. It it broke my heart to see Martin so disappointed in the Huddle House. He's like, this is it? I'm like, yeah, we're right next to a gas station. What did you expect? The waffles are pretty good, though. Um, and then we are checking Twitter, and that's when we first saw the uh, rumor that McIlwain was already in discussions with Florida about a buyout. So that's the Huddle House. We're going to redo that again this year. Um and have some delicious brunch. Anyone, uh, any Gators fans listening that are going to be making this trip, uh, you, you see uh, you see a couple of schlubs that look like sports writers eating pancakes or whatever, it's us. Come say hi. So not much in the aesthetics, but the food is very, very good is what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 decent. Um, what when I my, uh, <laughs> well, my I mean, well, that's not a five star review here. I mean, are we are we okay? Is everything okay, or is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, is, it's, it, is it again Denny's quality at least, or? Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Um, he, uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell this other story too. I don't know why how we got down this track, but whatever. Um, my grandpa lives up in Perry. Whenever I go up and see him, uh, and we have time, he insists on on taking me to the Huddle House because it's the nicest <laughs> restaurant in town. The first time I was there, the Huddle That's House. Perry. Is, yeah, of course. The Huddle House is literally connected to I think it's the Texaco station. So oh, I'm like, there you go. Okay, uh, so you, when you need to use the, the the restroom or whatever. You walk into the Texaco <laughs> to wash your hands, and then come back out into the Huddle House um, for for your your five star breakfast. Apparently, you can uh, trust more than your car with the man that wears a star. You can test your breakfast as well. So, exactly. Anyway, as long as there's coffee, I'm good. That's what. That's yeah, what we lots of coffee. Lots of coffee for you and Martin Finley if you're going to pull the 22 hour day up and back. Florida, Georgia, this weekend in Jacksonville. As always, Matt Baker, thanks so much. Safe travels, man. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Rick. Man, I've made some of those long drives. I don't know that I've come home on the same day from Jacksonville. That's a hike. I've done it, of course, with Gainesville and some night games uh, in uh, college basketball when I covered Florida. Uh, my favorite stop was White Castle. <laughs> you get some Ooh, I can't handle. I can't handle White Castles. Well, you know, it was more for the like the, the giant Coke or something okay, I could get sure, to keep me sure. awake and – Find the rest stops on, uh, you know, on I-75 if you get a little tired. But it's dicey. you got to be really careful when you try to do that, and a lot of people will. Of course, I hope nobody drives. If you've been drinking, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Uh, find a hotel. So, um, But that's an ex- exciting atmosphere. It's going to be a great game, Florida-Georgia. I, I like that Florida has uh, exceeded expectations, and, and they have a good chance of making this a really good game. And At the beginning of the off. season, who thought this was going to be the game it is this week? Nobody, right. Right. I mean, and, you, know, and, you, you know, thought Florida LSU, would be okay, but not this good. And you thought Georgia would, you know, probably be undefeated going into this game, not losing at LSU. So it, it's, it's, that's right. it's a, you know, the storylines in this game are a lot bigger than what we thought even just a few weeks ago. No, I'm excited to see it. And, you know, the thing is, is if you play the daisy chain game, you go, well, Florida beat LSU and LSU beat Georgia. So therefore Florida should beat Georgia, but it doesn't always work out like that. For sure. So tomorrow we got the uh, a football uh, football Friday, and we've got lots of talk about the Bucks. We'll be at Cincinnati. We're going to hear from Jameis Winston, the Bucks quarterback, trying to bounce back from what was eh, maybe not one of his better performances, but he did get the W. And also hear from Adarius Taylor, who's taking over at middle linebacker for Quan Alexander. Not an insignificant injury. Uh, that's going to take a chunk out of their defense, which uh, played better, but certainly isn't a finished product. And they go up against the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton. A.J. Green and the boys up in Cincinnati should be a pretty competitive game up there. So thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Burstink, have a great day, everybody.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.